This Tuesday, Ireland head to Sweden in a bid to keep their World Cup hopes alive. Five yards out, in towards O'Sullivan with the header! And a hat-trick! Full live and exclusive commentary on Tuesday at 5.30, only on OTB Sports Radio. OTB's The Hurling Pod with James Skell and Paul Murphy. People of Galway, we love you! I don't want to leave the people of Waterford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Waterford are my life, you know, and I, 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 love, I, love, I love my county, you know. We love Jambalan! It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go and hurl and just let themselves express themselves. They're, it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go. Yeah, it's pure constipated hurling. Welcome along to the Hurling Pod. What is that sense? It is a sense of anticipation because it's Championship Week. The Munster and Leinster Hurling Championships get underway this weekend. It's going to be quite a conundrum to try and work out who's going to come out of each province. Three places are available in each. The top two will go straight into a provincial final. And the bottom two sides in the Leinster Championship, if the Joe McDonough is not won by Kerry, will have to meet to decide who drops down into the Joe McDonough for next season. We'll be trying to work some of that out ahead of what's a pretty tasty first weekend of fixtures, uh, which includes a rematch of last year's All-Ireland final between Cork and Limerick. Delighted to say that Paul Murphy, James Cahill, with me to break all of it down. How are you getting on, lads? Great, well. Evening, how are you? Do we just dive straight into this, Paul? Because we've been talking about this throughout the league, where the form line's at, which team's been impressing. We kind of agreed at the end of last week's pod that Waterford looked really good and maybe they've closed the gap to Limerick this year. But still, it was incredibly difficult to pick out which teams are going to come out. And I reckon, because that's looking at Munster, everyone talks about Munster and what a difficult one it is to call I think Leinster is incredibly difficult to call as well with four teams who haven't looked too different standard wise from each other throughout the league yeah absolutely and you know we can look at the league to a certain extent and and look for indicators what's going to be brought to championship but you know only 50% 60% of that actually translates over into championship because we see so much of the league and it, it happens year on year you know teams are trying to find form team are at different teams are at different stages of their preparation pre-season and different things and, and and teams just hit different form and when it comes to championship look there's always that element it's 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 you know it's championship everything goes out the window and teams just start to get a run on things other teams start to slip into maybe bad form um the big one, I suppose, with Munster and Leinster is is, is the case that, okay, in, in Munster you have the four games, two home, two away, and then in Leinster you have the three, either three home and two away, or, you know, two home and three away. So there's dynamics there, and then again, it's a case of who are you meeting in those away matches, who are you meeting in the home matches. So if you look at Leinster, the likes of Galway and Wexford probably have the more favoured one, where they have two of the bigger teams at home. So it's it's hard. There's a lot to dissect. There's a lot to take away. Certainly, we'll take some things from the league. You know, we've seen the Wexford are capable of mounting savage challenges against the big teams, and they are an excellent team and capable of beating any team under day. I don't think Limerick will carry the same form from the league into championship. I think we will see the tradition Limerick that we've seen over the last years. But you could go on about every team um, at this stage and, and take it apart. But like what we predict here now today could be completely wrong after the first weekend you know and that's the beauty of it that's what we're looking forward to don't worry we can learn as we go along and we can reform <laughs> our opinions we grow as these next and we can blame it on schedule more importantly that's what we can do <laughs> well, well James when it comes to league form I mean I don't need to, go, to point this out to a Galway man but I remember the conversations 12 months ago Galway coming out of the league people were saying hey look at the way that Galway have hurled even though it was a Covid league and whatever else 
But everyone was impressed by Galway this time last year and it just didn't happen in Championship. It is the danger of sometimes reading too much into league form. Yeah, it was a bit of chalk and cheese last year. Like, I, I, I myself kind of fell, <laughs> fell victim to it because you know, it was a quite impressive league campaign. They introduced a couple of new players and we had a couple of injuries last year throughout the league and managed to get into a good spot uh, without those players. So I was thinking it was... And the draw was kind of... You know, it looked positive because it was going to be Dublin and Crow Park. So it wasn't mm. in Parnell Park, which is notoriously a difficult place to play for Galway. Um, and it just fell flat in his face. You know, I, I can't think of a, of, of a more, I suppose, negative kind of championship that Galway have had in a long, long time with the two games they played. And all signs were shown that, that it was supposed to be the opposite. So league is one thing. Paul has said it's chalk and cheese because it nearly gives you a false sense of security thinking you're going great. And then even training levels might, might um, jump plateau a small bit because... I suppose you haven't had that fright. You haven't been knocked out of the league. Like you haven't finished second, third to a team who, who can be perceived to be above you. So it's uh, it, it's it's a learning curve for Galway. It, it sh- they learned last year. It should not happen this year, regardless of management. Management. I know there's two different management teams from last year this year, but regardless of that, they should learn the lesson that the league means absolutely nothing when it comes to championship. It's just a, a new deck of cards and go from there. The only thing is, Paul, compared to years gone by, like traditionally, you would have had a few weeks of club for the best part where players would have been released back after the league. There was that bit of a break and then you kind of eased into championship in May. So there was a long period to actually fill in a lot of tweaking that would have been going on uh, during that period for management. This time round, the league only finished a couple of weeks ago and here we are now getting ready for a championship in the coming week. It's new, but still it should probably add a different dynamic. Yeah, it should because teams will be, I suppose the best way to put it, fairly recognisable to what we saw over the last few weeks. Like you said, when there's a big gap, um, when there's a big gap between the old way as it was, where there was maybe six weeks or eight weeks for some teams, where before we saw them in championship again, they'd maybe gotten players back from the club championships. And I know that still is part of this one. We'll see the Ballyhale players as part of Kilkenny and, you know, the Delisal player or the Ballygunner lads are obviously back for Waterford. But um, there is a smaller gap. So the Waterford team we would have seen in in the league final is you'd imagine going to be very similar to the Waterford team that we'll see obviously one or two lads come back one or two new additions we imagine we'll see Jamie Barron and Austin Gleeson and you know so but you'd imagine teams will be fairly recognisable to what we saw and because there is such a small gap and then again the same thing carries over for injuries as well players that were maybe carrying knocks into the last round of the league you're still dealing with that problem at the moment where that wasn't the case in the old style where you had that big gap so it is it's an interesting dynamic the other thing I will say as well is maybe it benefits teams in terms of Teams had to finish the league maybe at a high pitch and teams were playing quite good levels of hurling. The conditions were very similar also. So it's it's good preparation for teams in that way for the first round of, of their round robin matches that you know it's not eight weeks. The weather hasn't changed drastically in that in that time frame. They've been playing competitive matches up till two, three, four weeks ago. So that huge gap isn't gone. Teams won't be maybe slowly working their way into a championship. It'll be a case of hit the ground running because they're only they're only back off playing a few weeks ago. Yeah, the pandemic gave us an enforced break away from these round-robin competitions in Leinster. Munster, you bo- you boys both hurled in it, though. Did you enjoy playing in it, James, this idea of playing week-on-week championship games uh, over a kind of a 30-40 day period? Uh, I personally loved it, uh, Will, because like I, I would have advocated a lot over, over the last couple of years that uh, the ratio for training to games was just far too high. There was years mm. there where we could potentially have had maybe three championship games in 120 or... 120 training sessions so like you're talking about one is to 40 it was just completely you know I won't, I won't say unrealistic like to, to, for a full 
championship year, but it was just <clears throat> it was hard to enjoy, you know what I mean, and hard to get motivated. Whereas when you introduce a round robin and couple of close with the league, you've got a whole run of games. So like this year's team, for example, they have you know, potentially they have nine, ten, eleven games guaranteed, which is great. So the ratio comes way down. So you're not just training for the sake of training. So like uh, but even going down to different grounds, like I thoroughly enjoyed going down to you know, Wexford Park or go down to Kinney because that's you're, you're heading into someone's home ground. The atmosphere is also is always excellent. Nine times out of ten, you get a really good crowd. You, you're not really, I suppose, the crowd doesn't get lost in a stadium like Crow Park or Turles, you could say. So um, I think it was a great stru- restructuring, and I w- I'm delighted to see it back again so, for it to stay. Hmm. Was your experience the same, Paul? Yeah, very much. Um, like James said there, I thought I thought a real positive out of it was when I first started playing for Kilkenny when it came to championship it was generally Port Leash, Crow Park that's where you were playing if you didn't go well you got a game in Turles in an All-Ireland quarter final or something but that was generally it whereas you don't you know it's, it's funny to say when you look at other sports where they play really important games in their home pitch or likewise away but it, having that dynamic is brilliant and, you know we really enjoyed it having to play week on week um, you have a match in Nolan Park and then you have to travel to Wexford Park you know the momentum that was there and people were only fresh off talking about the match the week before and suddenly you're into another match but for me the really big one was just that playing competitive matches you know championship okay it's round robin but championship matches in your home venue that's I think that's brilliant and you know at club level sometimes we see it where when it comes to championship it's neutral venue or the league basis where it's at neutral venue but you know we see it at teams now certainly see it in Kilkenny where teams are flipping a coin and okay we'll play the home match this year and if we're not relegated or no team goes up or down and we, we're in year group next year we'll play in year pitch because that aspect of playing in your home pitch or playing in another team's home pitch like James said it adds an extra layer to it there's a certain element of the fans getting behind it a little bit more. So that's that's brilliant to have in round robin. Yeah, look, with the exception of Ed Sheeran changing one of the games for Cork to Sample Stadium at the end of this month, every team is going to have a good ratio of home and away games. I wonder how important that ratio is, though, James, if we're going to kind of focus on Leinster maybe to start, that you probably want to be like the Six Nations. Is there an argument for having the teams you're expected to win at home, uh, clean up those fixtures and get the points on the board, or would you prefer to have the more difficult rival teams at home and to go away to maybe, say, Leash and Westmead? Well, when you get a championship list, I just let's, let's just talk specifically for Leinster for the moment now, where you've got four teams that said very, very evenly pitted together. There's no real gulf uh, from one team to another. Your home games makes an awful difference. Like, so I'm looking at, I'll take my own county, for example. We have to go to Wexford on day one. And that for me is, not, not, trying, to, not trying to sound too drastic now at the moment, mm. but that's a make or break game. You know, if you win that game, like you're, you're really heading towards a real positive outcome in the, in the championship because you've got Kilkenny to come to you and you've got Dublin to come to you. Two big teams that are coming to you, you know. Whereas when you reverse that, Kilkenny have got a tough side of it. Like so, if 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 Kilkenny like, on the first of May, if they manage to beat Galway, that throws the whole championship into kind of a bit of a, a disarray, for, like from a Galway perspective. So your home games are fierce important. And Paul made a great point uh, a moment ago when he was on about two games at home in Munster and two games away. Whereas the, in 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 this in Leinster's instance, you know someone's getting a short straw, and it'll change next year. Don't get me wrong, but for this year, a lot of we're focused on. Or we have a couple of home games against big opposition. And when you're playing, as I said, yeah, opposition, we're so close together, the finest of margins, you're coming down to the influence of a crowd. Like we, we, I mentioned there about the crowd being important. It's like going to a Premier League game whereby nearly the home crowd will turn against the, the, the away team. And it could be worth a point or two. You never know. The margins are so small. So it's vitally important. And I think you need, you need home games. You need to win your home games, regardless of opposition, in my opinion. I said that a couple of weeks back in the league. And... If you win your home games, at least you're in a good position. And in Galway's instance, if you win the two league home games, you have two of the big four taken down. 
All right. Well, then, Paul, let's give you a shout in Galway then, because we're trying to pick out what teams are going to get out of the provinces here. It was two and done last year, miserable campaign. They're going to have to improve on that under Henry Shefflin this year. Galway have got this difficult start. They go to Wexford. I think it's Westmeath at home, Kilkenny at home, and the two fixtures after that. So they've got two home games after the trip, mm-hmm. after the game this Saturday. Paul, do you see Galway getting out of Leinster or getting into a provincial final this year? Um, I suppose if you asked me at the start, you know, I was looking at the fixtures and trying to figure out who do I see basically first of all in the Leinster final. Like my gut was kind of telling me that I, I kind of think Kilkenny and Wexford just by Wexford the way the basis that Wexford are playing off. I know Scale won't like that, Lord, but I think Lord. what the problem is is that I. Kilkenny, I think Kilkenny will mount serious challenges. Like they'll target the games and, and they'll go hard at them. But the one question that we saw Galway starting well in the league, but then they kind of they're a little bit of a question mark. You know, they lost to Wexford at home. So that was kind of a one and it was a game they could have won. Wexford didn't light it up, but they could have won it. So that for me was kind of going you're looking for these small indicators where a team mightn't perform. Like the biggest game I see that could decide um, who like I, I think Wexford are going to make the Leinster final anyway but Kilkenny going to Galway in the third round I think that's a huge one because Galway have to win that one from the point of view that it's a home game if you have any intentions of winning the Leinster you, you have to win your home games um, but again we haven't beaten Galway in Pierce Stadium in quite a while in a, in a competitive match so that's that's another thing to, work, to, to look at so I think there's a lot to be told out of that one like again maybe it's my heart speaking over my head by saying that Kilkenny will be in the Leinster final Um but I, I, I just think Kilkenny's stock was rising towards the end of the league and they had lads come back, you know, they had Adrian Mullen to come back and own coding these lads. That's why I'm kind of just edging it with Kilkenny. And again, like I said, some people might think that I'm talking with my, my heart there over my head. But I think Galway just left a few question marks over themselves towards the end of the league. Started really good. The performance they put in against Limerick, we were looking at them going... This is the Galway we've seen over the last few years that are really going to perform really well, but then kind of drifted a small bit in the league. So, look, again, we said at the start that we can't take everything from the league as gospel into the championship, but that's something that Galway have to answer for. And if, if they go to Wexford, like that'd be a huge scalp for Galway, if they go to Wexford, but those we're, we're kind of expecting, well, I'm certainly expecting Wexford there to... You know, Wexford do have a kind of a, a siege mentality down below in Wexford Park. So... It's a big one for Galway. And if Galway get over that, I think then, then you change your tune about Galway and you go, that's a huge win for Galway because that would be a big one. In the end, they go Westmead the following week, you're expecting them to win that. A big decider then with Kilkenny up in Pierce Stadium. And then they have Leash away, again, you'll expect them to win that. And then they'll have Dublin at home, which again, I expect Galway to win that one. So I think the big one there that will decide Kilkenny and Galway's year is the one in Pierce Stadium. Just before Scale comes in on that, just to come back to the point about question marks about Galway. So do you think there's more question marks about Galway going into this weekend than the questions we would have had about Wexford's defending against Waterford two weeks ago? I do think so from the point of view that I, I think structurally Wexford against Waterford, they set up a bit different the way they normally set up. Galway didn't overly change what they were doing in the league. They just dropped their intensity and they, they weren't committing as hard as they, they were in, let's say, the Limerick match. They just seemed to, to, to fade away a small bit. Galway have all the players they need to go and win the All-Ireland straight out. And I think they're one of the teams that can actually go and beat Limerick in a championship. And that's kind of something we're looking for. They could go beat Watford. They could go beat Limerick. They can beat anyone they want. It's just the manner in which they finished up the league. It kind of went, you know, what we saw as James was talking about there when they just missed out, when we drew with Wexford down in Wexford Park was it 2018. You know, if, if, you, if you come into the round-robin phase and you kind of come in with your form just drifting along... It's a dangerous thing because it is competitive. And as much people like to say Munster is the more, more competitive, 
you know, if you don't get your good run of form and win the matches you're expected to win, and more importantly, win your home matches in Leinster, that could be a problem for Galway. So I just, that's the question mark I'm saying with Galway at the moment, is that if they finish strong to the league, I'll be going, okay, Galway are dangerous. But they just, they, they, they faded out a small bit. And that's the only thing that I'm saying that we don't know what Galway we're going to see yet when it comes to the championship. All right, James. Galway fading a bit is a question mark. I'm sure you're going to say to us that you didn't take heavy beatings like Wexford did against Dublin and against Waterford. No, and I take what what Murph is saying on board. I do because you know there's there's proof of the pudding there that, that Galway faded the league and we completely faded out of the championship last year. So I I can't debate him. Like for years, Galway faded out of the championships. Sure, we couldn't make it past the Galway races there for seven or eight years. You know, and until we we turned it over for, for more recent times. You know, so I I get what he, I get what you're saying. You know. And I'm looking down and I was I was thinking how many guys of the 2017 Galway team are still involved in, in, in the panel on the team? And there's nine. Nine of the starting 15 are still there. So I'm thinking go down to Wexford, which which is, let's be honest, like if it's a fight, it'll probably be hopefully a fine day. It's a bit of a cauldron. They're very, they're rapturous. They're, they're very vocal down there. But the experience is there from the Galway So I, I don't buy this about, oh, they're trying to blood young players. Some young players, yeah, but they have a wealth of experience in the starting 15 as well. So I'm expecting them to go down and do a job. And I'm looking at that result. If they can get a positive result there, they'll most likely come up to Kikini with four points. Or Kikini will come to Galway with four points themselves and Galway with four points. And that then will decide, I think, who goes through. If in the event, uh, waits for top of Galway, Galway will likely meet Kikini with two points. And then the Kikini game becomes even bigger. Mm. Because if Kikini take, take out Galway, that's it. I think, I think you know, it'll be very hard to see Galway come back after that because they're after losing you know, to two, two of the big three. So I can't underestimate the first game. You're going to ask me who's going to make the final, and I am going to say Galway, but I'm also going to say Kikini. Okay, I, I do think. Yeah, I don't understand how. I, I I do think that Galway will beat Wexford at home. I think Galway will beat Kikini at home, but I also think Kikini will beat Wexford and Kikini beat Dublin. So I'm thinking it's going to be down to the wire because Kikini's, I suppose, very, have to have two very important games in the last two rounds, whereas Galway will have. Nine tenths of the work done by the first of May in the first yeah. three rounds. So it's hard for it's hard. You won't see it all decided in the first couple of weeks. I think from a Galway perspective, you'll see it's substantially decided, but for the rest, it won't be. So I'm going to say Galway Kinney final with Galway to beat Kinney. That is, by the way, that is the dream narrative for a neutral going into the final round of fixtures, where you'll have yeah. all the teams on roughly the same points going into that last game, and a shootout to see not just who gets the final, but a shootout to see who comes third in the group as well, because third and fourth would be on the line. Very interesting if that happens. On Galway, James, before we talk about Kilkenny, because you both are now agreeing that Kilkenny are uh, the best team in the province or at least one of the top two are going to get to the final. Where do you see Galway now? Because you've had a bit of time to reflect on the five or six games that we've seen. Uh, what's Henry Shefflin changed or where Galway are at now? Because start of the league, we were talking about all the talent, Whelan, Mannion, all those good stickmen that are across the team. But what kind of a difference has Shefflin made in what you've observed so far? I think for the man himself, I think he's had to contend with a lot of difficulties, you know, both on and off the pitch. That's, that's the first thing, you know. Mm. And I think from, from an on-the-pitch perspective, he's had to deal with, obviously, player losses, and big player losses, you could say, um, important player losses. So I think he's had to find replacements. He's had to find a balance of a team. And he's had to find a game plan that suits that new team. Now, I know I just said a moment ago, we've got nine players off the 17, uh, starting 15, but maybe all them nine might, might start. You know, they might suit you know Henry's system or Henry's game plan he might have a high octane high energy work like a dog for 50 minutes and bring in the subs kind of kind of mentality or bring in the more experienced lads to finish out the game so I don't know um, it's been very quiet I have to say it's been uh, they've shut up shop over the last couple of weeks since the league campaign ended um, injury wise I think they're not they're not too bad I think just Jason Flynn is a, is a long term injury but they seem to have a, a clean bill of health ish you could say 
Um, they've cut the panel and there's a couple of guys who, who were on that starting 15 have been released in, in mm-hmm. terms of Adrian Tuohy and Niall Brooks so you'd class, you'd class that as a couple of experienced heads and players who would thought maybe would still carry a bit of influence on, on, on a team but maybe not you know so obviously Henry has seen different things in, in other players that he has I'd say I, st- I said at the start of the year Will what would be success for Galway I thought a league semi-final and I think getting to a Leinster final would be successful um, and then go from there in, in the knockout stages and I still stand by that you know and it's very hard for me to make a prediction. I know we're having a bit of crack here. Don't get me wrong. And I'm saying, go, mm. we're going to win Leinster. Like, and I'll say that. I'll say that every day. You know, even if Wexford hammers, I'm still going to say, go, we're going to win Leinster. You know, so I'm just going to keep. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that narrative, right? But I won't know, to be honest, until 15 minutes are gone in the Wexford game. You know, it's very hard to tell because you don't know how lads are training. Like, I'm just thinking, like a, t- a team that stands out in my head. I know I'm moving province is Tipperary. They're in the long rest. They're probably training fierce well together. You know, and then they've got water coming down to them. So who knows how that's going to go? And I'm the same with Galway. They've been out a while, probably training fierce well, good good buzz, energy. And they've got to, got, got to do with the league is probably well and truly gone. But I won't know. And I guarantee you the players themselves might know either until the first 10, 15 minutes when the, when the balls turn in Wexford Park. Mm. But let's not forget, look, if it wasn't for Richie Hogan and his juggling skills at Crow Park a couple of years ago, Galway could have been Leinster champions that year. Probably should have been, realistically. Mm. You know, like we, we read a lot into last year. But funnily enough, if it wasn't for that intervention and that kind of moment of brilliance which really swung a game we could be talking about the fact that Galway were the Leinster champions of just a couple of years ago and who knows what would have happened later in the year with the way they played in that semi-final there's all ifs and buts about injuries and how close they were to Limerick at the time and God it's only a few weeks ago um, Paul that we were talking about Galway once they'd beaten Limerick saying that they had all the weapons to potentially beat Limerick later in the year Yeah absolutely and, and that's, that's the one thing with Galway like there's no one denying and I'm certainly not saying that they have the talent to win the All-Ireland. That's the bottom line. Like if, you're to, if you had to pick one sentence to describe Galway, they absolutely have the talent to win the All-Ireland. Um, it's just a matter of, will they just click? Will it just be a case of that they go out there? Like they can go to Wexford Park, put in a savage performance and come out of there with a really good win. I think it's Westmead they had the following week then and they have Kilkenny then at home and now you have the momentum and off you go. So it's just a matter of will they find it. I think they need to bring, look, we talked about it already, they need to bring Cahill Mannion out around the middle of the field and get the ball moving there. I think if you see Cahill Mannion in around the corner forward, for me anyway, and what do I know, but for me I would be kind of saying that if Cahill Mannion is still in around the full forward line, Galway have questions over um, who their, their their scorers are. For me, Cahill Mannion is a playmaker for them. He links everything up. So, I'm expecting to see, you know, a really, obviously, a strong team going down to Wexford Park. If I see Cahill Mannion out around the middle and, you know, you have your Conor Whelan in around the edge of the box, you'll see a bit of shape to the team then. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking they are going to they are going to go well, but it, it's, again, it's just, until I see it, I'm kind of waiting to see what Galway are going to do because it's just, sometimes they flatter to deceive sometimes and, and that's the only thing. Yeah. And in this round robin, it's tricky. The other side of it, the other side of the coin in this, in terms of going back to the table as well, is that, you know, the table will be deceiving for the first few weeks because Kilkenny will have four points after the first two matches, you'd imagine. Like, they're going to play Westmead and they'll play Leash. Whereas if you look at the other teams there, Wexford have Galway and Dublin and depending on how they go, you know, if Galway turned them over, Wexford potentially might only have two points after the first round. So it's, it's going to be tricky to, to gauge it. I think after the third round is really where we start to see how teams are really going. But look, that's the only thing with Galway. There's no one denying um, how good they are. It's just a matter of will they find the form when they need it most. 
Paul, if you were still on the Kilkenny panel, would you prefer the start that Kilkenny have this year where they go to Cusick Park next weekend, will be expected to win against the Division 2A champions Westmead, then they bring Leash to Nolan Park the week afterwards. As you say, all expectation will be four points before the mini break for Kilkenny and then harder tasks after that. Or would you prefer to be like Wexford and Galway where you play one of your opponents to actually start the championship off? Yeah, look, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I think from Kilkenny's side of the house, if we refer to Kilkenny's fixtures, okay, they've Westmead away and they've Leash at home. Um, what I think Kilkenny will do in this, they will put out strong teams, but for me, if Brian Cody has any intentions of playing the likes of Richie Hogan or getting TJ Reid back into the team, look, again, no TJ Reid's an excellent hurler, but he's been away from playing with the club for a while he needs to get up to the match match speed of inter-county so it's ideal timing in that way that's the pros of of Kilkenny's start but like you said the cons is you know Wexford and Galway have no doubt about the start they're laser focused on the start and they have to start strong and not lose points or lose ground on any other team so they have to start strong and then like let's say for example Wexford like Wexford then have their third match, they're playing Leash. And I don't mean to be dismissive to Leash or, or, or Westmead, but Wexford have two strong matches at the start. And then they have a bit of a break where it's it's, it's not a break, but they they can still afford to maybe put, hold back one or two players to approach the next games. And again, that's not to insult any teams, but Wexford have the firepower at the moment to do that. Which would I prefer, to be honest, I'd probably prefer doing what Wexford are doing. Um, mm. Like Wexford, Wexford are very similar to Kilkenny, and Wexford only have two home matches Uh in, in this round robin series but the two home matches they have are Galway and Dublin that's ideal really you know they're taking two big scalps there at home if they can whereas if you look at the two home matches Kilkenny have they have Wexford brilliant and they have Leash you know Kilkenny be happy enough to go on the road to Leash there and maybe get Dublin or Galway at home so there's a good few things with it but I'd rather the likes of Wexford there to be honest their setup of where you have two hard matches at the start go in take two big if you can get two big wins out of that and then maybe look at you have Leash and Westmead get on the road to Leash and Westmead hopefully get again which I expect get two more wins there and then you can go and tackle Kilkenny in the park and potentially be already safe enough as it is so I would rather start with two good matches there to be honest Well Richie Hogan is going to be I would think used sparingly and used as an impact substitute this year you said you know if about TJ coming back in there's no if is there TJ comes in to start yeah, I'd, look, I, again, I'd imagine so, but like Brian Cody is Brian Cody. He could, you know, he could see how things are going to go and maybe play him for half an hour. It's hard to know what way he's going to go. TJ was carrying an injury at the end of the club championship. So it's, you know, there is that dynamic there. I do believe he'll start, but you always have to go with the thing that, you know, Brian plays it as he sees it. He picks the team as he sees it. You wouldn't know what he could do, but I look, everybody would believe 90% chance TJ Reid will be starting. So look again. It's, two, it's, weeks ago, it, two weeks ago, he was in your top five hurlers. He is in my top five. Is he in Brian Cody's top five? That's the question. Doesn't matter about my top five. You're, you're being cute now, Murphy. The only reason he watched that is he was injured. Tell us the truth. About well, that's it. Is the he hurt? Is he yeah. hurt? Well, no. I, I don't know if he's hurt. To be honest, um, I, I don't know. I know he's injured at the end of it. He was carrying a groin injury. That was in the paper, and he talked very openly about it. But it's ideal for for Brian there if he's like you mean if you were going into the Galway match well TJ hasn't played an inter-county match this year some people would say it's risky to start is he carrying an injury I don't know haven't been talking to TJ couldn't be sure but the Westmead match is ideal that way in that you can start the Westmead match get him going and then see how he is because the Westmead lads will hit harder than you know he what he was experiencing in the, in the club championship and it'll be a chance to test it so look 
If, if Kilkenny were playing Galway in the first round, I don't know if TJ Reid would start. I would start him. I don't know if Brian Cody would start him because Brian has seen a lot of players put their hand up for jerseys. So what's Brian Cody looking for in a player at the moment and what state is TJ Reid in at the moment? I think he'll be fit enough and I think he will start. But I'm just saying that there is the what if there that Brian might look at it a little bit differently. Ah, yeah. Look, if he's an hour hurling, I think in his legs after the first two games, he's going to be good to go for the other three fixtures. James, why are you so confident about Kilkenny getting to a Leinster final then? Oh, I don't know. Or how conf- <laughs> how confident are you if you say I don't know? I do, look at. I think. Um, I, I look at. I've grown up not to underestimate Kilkenny. You know, I I would. Uh, and the reason being is because they they've always produced performances when. When probably they weren't expected to, do you know what I mean? To be honest, when, when they had the teams of old that they were in pure state of domination, fine, okay, put that aside. But in more recent years, they haven't had the teams who who carried the same, you know, state of domination as years previous, and they're still grinding out results. Like, and I just I just think back. Uh, a, a clear example is the semi final they played against Limerick in twenty nineteen. Was the Morf, was it? The same final, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, 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 and that just yeah. everything was stacked against them. Limerick were after winning that Ireland the year previous. You know, they were on obviously the ascendancy across the, for, for, in everyone's. They were they were the team on in everyone's minds, and they were they were. I would be honest, they were shooing for the final, in my opinion. And next thing, Kilkenny come out and just hit them straight in the mouth for the first twenty minutes, and Limerick were were stunned. You know what I mean? And that performance kind of sticks in my head, and it's synonymous with Kilkenny over the years. So I I would never doubt them. You know, and I, I make no bones about it. Always most difficult game with respect is going to be Kilkenny at home. You know, and that's that's a big one. If you win that one, I'm telling you, you're. You're kind of on the pings back to get to getting qualified, but I still expect them to be to be in, in the Leinster final. Now, I also say when we played Kinney in 2018 uh, in the Leinster final, we were after coming through a round robin series where we won every game. To be honest, right, we won every game kind of comfortable enough. You know, we knew going down to Wexford we were going to beat Wexford. Kinney were coming to us. We said we we knew we could take them and, and probably, you know, with the home crowd behind us, you know, get on top of them early, and we did. You know. And then we finished out the, the, the round robin. And then the Leinster final came. And I was kind of saying, we're, we're, we're primed for a good run here now to, to move Kilkenny aside and move on to the championship. And that didn't happen at all. The first day, we would go out in front and they kept ashes and ashes and ashes. And we ended, up, we ended up lucky to draw the game. And then the second day, again, off out in front, Kilkenny came ashes and ashes. So those type of, type of games are just... They, they're, a, they're like a synopsis of where Kilkenny are for the last 20 odd years you know what I mean You're, they're never bet so I will never say in a Leinster Championship that Kilkenny are not going to make a final because regardless of who they produce even the, the young guys they've produced in the league campaign guys who I've never heard of up until two, you know, two or three weeks ago four weeks ago are producing performances like seasoned veterans you know so it's just something I know I might sound stupid but there's something different down there <laughs> I don't know what it is it's hard for me to explain but no, no, I think, uh, Skelly, we've all kind of been tricked by this or we've all kind of thought that this Kilkenny team is coming to an end or, you know, Cody's golden touch is starting to slip. Like, I remember even going back to 2019 and you mentioned, like, that colossal performance that Kilkenny put in an All-Ireland semi-final against Limerick. I remember lots of people thought the Cork were going to beat them the round before in the quarter-final. Most people thought when they went to that semi-final, this Limerick team had announced themselves, they were ready to take over and be the team at the top. All right, the final didn't go Kilkenny's way, but they still got to an All-Ireland final that year. They won a league. Was the year before, Paul, that you would have won the league? kind of against the odds Division 1 as well yeah 2018 I think it yeah. was yeah, yeah yeah, and again people thought that this was Cody's last stand he was you know somehow getting the last bits out of that team and players from you know a decade before were coming towards the end of their career and were enough new players coming in I've seen Kilkenny's obituary written so many times Paul over yeah. the last decade and yet you guys keep coming back there's no way of actually keeping Kilkenny down it seems yeah look I, I, it's, it's hard to know what it is but like 
I suppose going back to those matches, the likes of the Cork one, like what we, what what you at least look for any team, and it's something I'm very proud to say I've been part of in teams, is that when there was a challenge there in front of us, lads took it on for better or worse. Like Galway in those matches that James, you were talking about, like you were the better team, but we at least didn't give up the ghost and we fought and we got to a draw and in, in Turles, even won well enough in Turles in the end, but we brought it back to a draw in the Leinster final and it got away from us. You were the better team and you had a bit more strength and you were, you were in better form and everything, but at least, you know, we kind of gave it a crack and that's the kind of mentality. Going back to the Limerick match, like I remember the trainings in the run into Limerick match, like lads were just... Lads were on cloud nine because we were being written off and the idea that we get to play, you know, the All-Ireland champions, this is absolutely brilliant. And I think we kind of felt that in training, you know, we were tearing strips off each other and we felt that no one's expecting this to happen, that we're going to take lumps off them. Now, not that we were saying we're going to go out there and win the match, but lads were of the attitude, we're going to go out there and die trying. So that's kind of what you see. Like you see the aggression there in some of the matches, like Kilkenny didn't perform well in the league against uh, Tip and Turles. But the performance they put in against Dublin up in Parnell Park, like they didn't care it was Parnell Park, they didn't care it was Dublin. They just went and, you know, performed really well, could only play what was in front of them, and a savage victory. So what I think you will get out of the team, and like I was delighted with Kilkenny how they performed against Cork in, in Parky Cueve. Okay, Cork won in the end, but what I saw for Kilkenny from 40, 45 minutes, they were very aggressive and they went hard against Cork and okay, they, they, they gave away a good few frees. But the aggression was there and they were trying to do the right things and at least the passion was there. And that's something that, okay, if you're not going to win a match, but at least pour everything into it. And in fairness, I think I understand that's what James is saying is that in fairness to Brian, okay, lads will write the obituary about the team and it's happened a good few times. But the players that are there at the moment, look, they, they have big shoes to fill in many ways, but there's no fear of them going out and giving everything they have and putting in performances. And that's why I'm so happy with seeing the team where they are. They're physically very fit. I always know their heads will be tuned in and they'll give it a crack. Will they beat Galway and Pierce Stadium? I don't know. But you know they're going to give Galway a savage game. So it's hard, it's hard to know where it comes from, to be honest. But I just think it's lads not letting the standards drop. That's really what it is. Like Lads have a bit of pride in themselves in that team. The Parik Welches, the Paddy Deegans, Killian Buckley's. Okay, they, they, like, okay, the team mightn't be what the team was 10 years ago. But the lads have a great pride in what they're doing and, and they, they're very professional in what they do as well. So as a supporter of Kilkenny, I'm delighted to see that that's something the lads are carrying on. Were you assured, Paul, after Parnell Park then, that that type of performance against Dublin, you start to think this might be coming together for this year then? Yeah, I think it was the, the big part of it is how their their performances have tipped along. Like if you would have put the Tipperary match, let's say if you were to take the Tipperary match as a bubble and put it towards the end of the league, and that was one of the performances I'm looking back on Kilkenny on now, I'd be going similar to what I'm saying with Galway, oh, maybe there's question marks over Kilkenny approaching the championship. But Kilkenny's stock continued to rise during it, and they started showing that whatever team they put out, whatever players were being tried, each player, there was one thing they kept doing, they were working hard, they were tracking, they were fighting, they were blocking, they were looking to do the right things. And that's why I was delighted. And, and the Dublin match was the first time where we saw it really clicking and going, brilliant. And the Watford match then again, look, Watford came, I, I tipped Watford to win that match on the podcast the week before. Mm. And I expected Watford to win, but I thought Kilkenny might stay within four or five points of them, just based on the performances. And Kilkenny went out, savage performance, bet Watford. Okay, some people maybe will say Watford weren't at the pitch of the game. But look, again, Kilkenny can only play what were in front of them. So for me, that's what I'm looking at Kilkenny going. They're headed in the right direction. They look really fit. They're looking strong. They have lads coming back from, let's say, hurling with the club. You have Adrian Mullen, these lads to inject back into the team. So that's why I'm looking at Kilkenny going... They're in a good place and they're young as well. That's another thing to say. For If we're writing them off at one side where people are saying an obituary, 
there's a lot of young players there. You know, you're not dealing with the case of you have your base in the team around seven players who are now past 30. That's not what Kilkenny are doing anymore. You know, you have Richie Reid or Paddy Deegan at centre-back potentially. You have Parik Welch at centre-forward. You know, you have all these younger players coming through as well. Tommy Welch's, Billy Ryan's and all these. So it's a young team. So that's why I'm so optimistic about Kilkenny at the moment. Yeah, well look, two young hurlers of the year who are going to be available to play in the forward line. One of the best hurlers of his generation in TJ Reid still come back into the team. We've spoken about the likes of Mikey Butler and Blanchfield coming into the team. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think it's Kilkenny and A and other for the Leinster final. We'll be probably proven horribly wrong in a few weeks' time. But <laughs> Dublin, James, the only real issue I would have with Dublin at all in the league would probably be that <clears throat> defeat against Kilkenny. Like, aside from that, they went to Semple Stadium, hurled really well, beat Tipperary, did the business in the other fixtures uh, within their yeah. group, were probably unlucky not to qualify, got a good draw against Waterford in the first game. Not really a whole lot to dislike about what Dublin have done so far, but I think everyone has this kind of nagging doubt about Dublin as to whether they're going to beat, say, a Galway, Wexford, Kilkenny, and you might have to beat two of them to get to a Leinster final. Yeah, like we're probably here talking an hour, like we've only mentioned Dublin now at this stage. And look, Rome wasn't beaten today, but you know, it could be easy knocked in a day in hurling as well when you think about it, because after after that game against Kilkenny, I thought, Jesus, the Dublin looks at six and sevens, and I was tipping them the week before to put in a really strong performance against them. I actually think I off memory I think I backed them to beat Kilkenny you know off the back of the tip performance so it's a bit like Galway sometimes Will you just, you just sometimes you don't know do you know what I mean you don't know until they get going whether it clicks right with them I thought Kilkenny showed up them showed them up kind of tactically a bit you know that uh, Kilkenny got around their sweeper and Dublin couldn't get around Kilkenny's sweeper so it's a case of I, I'd like to see how they react to with, with a plan B or a plan C when teams kind of nullify their plan A that seems to be a problem with them uh, over the last couple of years that once teams nullify plan A they kind of go back into sort of bad habits, playing somewhat of an in- individual game, shooting from crazy angles, you know, and not not kind of carrying through patterns of play that they, they develop so well throughout the league. So I'm interested to see how it all pans out. Like the like by the time they get to the Galway game at the end, like we, as I said earlier on, we know where we all stand. But again, they're in a good position too because each team has an allowance for a bad performance. You know, Limerick can say they had a bad league. Watford, you know, are, are probably out out by themselves in that they didn't really produce any bad performance as such. We've just talked about Kikini with a bad performance against Tip Galway, bad performance against Wexford and so on. So every team, is, is, it's the nature of the league. You're allowed a bit of an up and down. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that game in Parnell Park, you know. Um, so I'm I'm tentative. I still, I would still personally rank them number four out of the, the big four, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. But again, you just you just don't know them. Do you know what I mean? What they what they what they're capable of producing? And again, they have a good management team and a good manager in Matthew Kinney. So there's no there's no shortage of experience or, or tactical know how or even motivation from his from his perspective. So again, they're primed and they're coming. Like as Derek McGrath said about teams, the Langrass, Dublin are one of those. Like they could just hit someone in the mouth in the early days, and you wouldn't know how the championship would turn out after that. Well, we'll look at Munster then in a sec, but just to kind of summarise where we're at then, because we uh, naturally enough end up going, yeah, I think that team's good, that team's not so good. Both of you are going for Kilkenny to reach the final then. And are we expecting, Paul, you were thinking Wexford with them? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Wexford at the moment. And yeah, I think Galway and third. Galway will qualify, yeah. Again, like you, you, you kind of have to say these things nearly with a hesitancy, but that's just... You kind of have to give Wexford. Well, I just have to give Wexford the credit or credits due for their performances in the league, and I think they'll they'll go back to. I think the Watford one was a blip on the radar, really. They tried a few things, didn't work. So I think Wexford will see more of what they did in the league in the championship. So I'm leaning towards Wexford there. And James, you're going Kilkenny, Galway as the top two. Wexford yeah. then or Dublin for you in third? 
again, it's very hard to decide. You know, I mean, we're here making assumptions and making uh, shouts on teams. So. That's what you're here for. And it's very difficult. <laughs> well, it's very difficult. You know, like I am, I, I am going to go with Galway one. I'm going to go okay. with Kilkenny two, as as we just noted. Um, I'm going to have to say Wexford three, Dublin four, Leash five, Westmead six. Okay, that's yeah, kind of my standing. Because at, at the bottom. It's a big game for Leash this weekend where yeah. they play against Dublin. They'd probably target that as the other game which they could get points out of if like Westmead and Leash on the last round, uh, which could determine, it could feel like a playoff uh, when that comes around depending where the teams are at. So Leash obviously beat Dublin in championship in 2019, that summer, uh, the magic year they had after they won the Joe McDonough and took Dublin out in a qualifier the week after. But mm. it's big ass to see them Was that at home? This week. That was at home. That was, in, that was yeah. in Port Leash. They, they go to Parnell Park this weekend. Yeah, so. different animal. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big ask for them to win. I think having watched, I said this to you uh, guys last week, just being in Semple Stadium and watching the Division Two final, and then a, co- a couple of hours later the Division One final gets underway, it feels like just two different paces. It's very difficult for Westmead to try and bridge that gap in a short period of time. Even I think to try and take on a Leash team who got a decent run of games in Division One B, it's going to be very difficult for Westmead uh, to stay up in the Leinster Championship this year. But that key fixture for them is the last one. And then we'll see how things go with uh, Dublin and Leash this weekend. I don't think Westmead will win any of the rest of their fixtures. Um, I'd love to be horribly wrong and for the whole round robin to be blown wide open by one of these teams getting a result, but it's it's very difficult to see it happen. So that's likely to be the relegation game. So, so who are you going for? To get relegated. Who, who, who's, who's your one to six then? Oh, who's my one to six? Us, you're asking us now. We have to put it back on you as well. <laughs> this is the whole point. I'm, I'm here to ask the questions and to get you stuff out of you guys. as well. We, we um, can't take the flag. Let's see. I kind of fancy Wexford to beat Galway this weekend. And if they do, I think Kilkenny and Wexford will reach the final. I do fancy Galway to qualify as well as third. I think Dublin will just miss out. And then I think Leash will beat Westmead, which will keep leash in the championship for next year and Westmead will go down if there's a non-Kerry winner of the Joe yeah. McDonough Cup mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest lads, I, I hate that clause um, yeah. it, it's silly and it's so silly that Kerry could potentially win the McDonough now with their form which we've seen in Division 2A it's probably not going to happen but if it does it's very unfortunate if Kerry had to play against Clare or Tipperary or you know, say if one of the other big three that are expected to do well drop down to bottom place in Munster Kerry would have no chance of beating them and the next thing, the Joe McDonough Cup winners aren't promoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's even like I mean, we see in Leinster that you know we the reason we have um, the three home and two away, or we have we have the five matches, is because of the number of teams. But you seem like you're kind of if Kerry Kerry don't get to just walk back up into Munster, whereas you know it's it's that sort of angle there that Kerry don't come back into Munster, but. It's it's a thing where Westmead and Leash then they're waiting and see what Kerry do. Like we said, we're not mm. maybe expecting Kerry to come out with Joe McDonough, but it's 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 funny that whatever happens in the Joe McDonough and Munster was going to affect what's going to happen in Leinster. And if we can have five games in Leinster, why can't Munster have five games in their province? They have four games. Like mm. the, the, so, yeah, it's it's a funny one there, and certainly it's tough on if if Kerry do manage to do it. And you'd imagine one of the years they're heading in the right direction towards doing it, that they have an extra game to try and get through to be where they, they would feel they deserve to be after winning the job at Dunham. Oh, yeah. And look, lads, I, I appreciate that Kerry would find it very, very difficult to go from mm-hmm. Division 2A hurling and Joe McDonough hurling into playing directly into a Munster Championship. Because, look, let's face it, there's probably four or five of the top teams in the country are involved in that province currently. But at the same time, if you're going to bridge that gap you should get a chance to be able to play in your home province. To, to me, it made no sense that Kerry were being locked out. And a few years ago, they were going to go into 
the Leinster Championship if they won the Joe McDonough and then that rule was changed around as well I, I just again I hate the idea I remember when this happened in Division 2A of the league a few years back as well where there were playoffs and Westmead one year won Division 2A of the league were very impressive in the league itself ended up playing Leash in a promotion relegation playoff and Leash beat them and Westmead got no promotion for winning Division 2A of the league to, to me it seems very unfair that you win a competition and don't actually get rewarded for it and if, if Kerry are going to improve surely it makes sense for them to be able to play in their home province but mm. That's for the that's for the rule makers to change. Munster, like good luck trying to pick this lads. But we we had three Munster teams who've come out of the league in exceptionally good form. You would probably argue, especially like Waterford have come out of this looking very impressive. Uh, Cork, with the exception of the final, looked good. They had that comeback win against Kilkenny. They played really well against Limerick. We know where Limerick's level is at. We can almost rank them as favourites for the All Ireland, despite what happened in the league this year. Then you talk about the long grass, James, with Tipperary and with Clare. Okay. Clare will argue Tony Kelly's back. A few of the other injuries are starting to clear up. I think Shane O'Donnell is nearly back to full fitness. Some of those kind of niggly injuries that they had for a few weeks during the league might just have uh, settled down while they had a break. And then people are kind of writing Tipperary off because they have to go to Waterford in the first round and it's expected that Waterford is just going to take them out. Yeah. But I'm sure Liam Cattle is getting it across that Tipperary won't be easy to beat. This province is so difficult to actually tell what's going to happen over the next month. I can't see in Leinster you've got as we mentioned you've got five rounds and every team is playing each week so every team is playing when, when the rest of the teams are playing in Munster it's a bit scattered so it's kind of hard to plan or, or, or kind of play out how this is going to happen because there's like if you take Limerick for example they play Cork and Waterford in their first two games then they have two weeks off Waterford play Tip and Limerick in the first two games then they have three weeks off so how does the break come into it Who if, if lads get injured you know if lads, are, if lads are in good form, next thing they've got a three-week hiatus, they're injured. It's so hard to kind of plan all this out. But Munster is, like, it's, to be honest, it's tossed the kind of stuff. I think if I was to pick my three right now, mm-hmm. I would pick in probably Cork, uh, Limerick and Waterford. You know. However, in two weeks' time or three weeks' time, I could be proven so wrong because that's just the nature of the Munster Championship. How many times over the years have we seen, you know, teams who, who were, I suppose, supposed to win the game and win it comfortably get, get turned over? You know, we've seen it in the... Kind of go back, even go way back in the years with Limerick and Tip when they, when they had the, the, the three games. Limerick wants to be supposed to get over Tip, do you know what I mean? But that's just what the Munster Championship produces. And you think of the Waterford teams when they're beating Cork in their, in their, in their prime in 04 in that time. So it's just it's a fantastic championship. But again, it's so hard to call. Tipperary are such a proud Hurland County, and they're probably down there. There's probably people around the area expecting them to get, you know. Everybody else, bar, bar tip, get, get wiped by Watford. You know, that's to be honest about it. But Tip are in, a, as we say, a small bit of a rebuild process. I don't, th- I don't think they're phased with that. I don't think they care about it. They're such a proud Hurling County with, with a mass amount of All-Ireland titles that they're probably thinking we're going to take Watford down. And they're probably in the best position now. Yes, Watford coming off a very positive league campaign. But Tip are coming with a low expectancy, you could say, nationally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's who knows what's going to happen. They still have some serious players and... And I know in the NFL they say any given Sunday, but that's the same for, for the Munster Championship. Any given weekend, someone can, t- can take another team. So it's we said it last week, really interesting championship, very hard to call. I don't think Limerick are going to be, are, are going to have such a massive gap as they had over the last couple of years, to be honest. I think the pack is closing in somewhat. I think journalists and, and the public itself are guilty of thinking Limerick are, you know, probably way further ahead than they actually are. I think it's closer, to be honest. 
So I, I, I can't call it. Like I'll give you my top three, but I won't give you my winners. Right. Before I bring in Paul in that, James, just going to lob a grenade out there because I, I know full well that there's going to be someone in the comments who's going to say, is there any point in Limerick even turning up this year? This tends to be the comments under nearly every video about hurling this year is that, you know, for some reason, the media and pundits are being unfair on Limerick based on the league campaign and uh, we've all written them off too quickly or whatever else. The only thing is, we're talking about the difficult fixtures. Look at the difficult start that Limerick have. They go to Porky yeah. Cueve against a Cork team who they lost out to in the league. Yeah. I know Limerick fans will say they hammered them in the All-Ireland final last year, but still, Cork have been good. And then they have to play Waterford in round two. Is there any possibility that Limerick start the championship slowly and end up in trouble? No, no possibility. I think they go down to Cork. I think they beat Cork by seven or eight points. Oof. Honest to God, I think uh, both statements. I think Porky Cueve has like, and there's a, there's a, some lad some lad keeps tagging me on Twitter on about the pitch parameters. How these pitches are certain <laughs> sizes. You know what I mean? Like um, how I said one day, Cusick Park was tight. Porky Cueve is massive, and I I do. When you look at the, the league final um, last week against Waterford, and you look at the Ireland final against Limerick, and you see when you introduce a massive amount of space to that Cork defence, you'd worry that they're going to leak a lot of goals. And I think Limerick are going to be a bit hurt over the league, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. they mightn't listen to too much what like, old fogies like myself and Murphy say, you know, uh, but I, I still think that they're going to be primed for a big game against Cork. And if the game turns out how I would expect it to, and Limerick hit them, ferociously in the first 10-15 minutes it could turn into a bit of a, a drubbing to be honest so then they're coming off the back for positive performance but then the week after different kettle of fish entirely Waterford won't I don't think they give a, 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 a damn where they play anybody I think that's just kind of their mentality at the moment so going up to Limerick it makes no difference I think don't get me wrong there'll be a big crowd full house probably the game of the championship but uh, I, can't, I can't call that one I, I'm, I'm happy to call the Limerick Cork one but I can't call Limerick and Waterford but I still think Limerick will be in a good position after the first two rounds, you know? I don't mean to dig you out of a hole here, by the way, when it comes to the pitch size. And, uh, and like, I've seen this before. <laughs> and I remember, I definitely mentioned once upon a time that you go into Cusick Park, it feels tight. And, and the reason it feels tight, it's not about the pitch itself. So I think the pitch at Cusick Park, and I'm, I'm going purely off memory from that chart now at this stage, is about the same size as Crow Park and O'Connor Park, which are perceived as two of the bigger pitches across the country for a sheer surface area. Yeah. But you stand on the pitch in Cusick Park versus standing on the pitch at Porky Cueve, where there's probably not a massive difference with the actual pitch parameter, uh, the actual playing surface, but Porky Cueve feels like a much bigger stadium. It's, yeah. it's a perception thing more so than the actual pitch itself. We, we measured, we measured, uh, we were playing Westmead in uh, Murningar's Cusick Park as well, isn't it? Yeah, now, now Cusick Park is, is legitimately one of the smallest in the country. That is a, a quite a narrow pitch and it's quite short because you've got the shopping centre on one end and you've got the flats on the other end. So it, that is legitimately a tight well, pitch. Well, I'll tell you, uh, one of the lads went out, one of the management team went out and measured the pitch with a metre wheel. Mm-hmm. And I was asked, we were asked in, in a group about with the management team, how much, if you were to ask, they asked the question like, how much bigger is Turles than Mullingar? And I, being an engineer by trade, put up my hand and say, oh, it's way bigger. It's way bigger. Couldn't, like, it has to be at least 10 yards in length and 10 yards in width. And then Michal turned around and said, same size. Amazing, isn't it? I but, couldn't believe it. You know? But then again, the difference on this one is, James, like, been down on the pitch in Semple Stadium last week after, with the two finals, is that the stands feel a distance away from the pitch yeah. within Thurlis. You go to Mullingar... And the terrace on the far side is legitimately almost up against the sideline. And depending on how wide they've made a pitch at any given time, the sideline is right up against where the managers stand in the kind of technical areas in front of the dugouts. Yeah. So for that reason, it feels that bit narrower. Even if it's not, but the perception Queen, is like, that it is. Parky Cueve, I've only played, I've only played in the, the new Parky Cueve once and it looked huge. Absolutely massive. Like it looked like there was an open country there, you know. 
So that that it feels it feels probably the same way as it feels in Crow Park. Probably obviously you've got stadiums of similar size. We'll call it. Mm. And when you talk GA terms, but I just look at that and think, geez, Limerick have open country there. Do you know <laughs> open country? So I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely barrage him in the comments uh, with that graphic again, which has been shown. Oh, come at me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, at me. I'm not sure who made it. I, I think it's in the same form as GA League table. So I'm going to give them credit and say that possibly it's their graphic that it started with. Uh, but it is one of those when you hear pundits say things like, it you know, it feels tight when you go to somewhere like Ennis. They'll go, hey, hold on. Ennis is just as big as these pitches and whatever else. But, yeah, right. but I, I, I want fact, Will. I don't want a chart. I want fact. I want a man <laughs> with a meter wheel. Right? Hey, are a you going to go down with a, with a meter wheel yourself ahead of these games at Cusick Park? Did I believe him? Did I believe it? No. <laughs> right, James Scale, we are definitely going to uh, commission him for one of the games in the Munster Championship. And if you see a guy walking with a wheel from the halfway line before the game, you know it's Scale. Just double checking the exact dimensions of Cusick Park yeah, and Ennis. over and give him a fiver. Indeed. Um, Paul, for Limerick, there, there's no risk then for you either that Limerick start this slowly. You think the few weeks they've had, maybe what we saw at the end of the league, Limerick should be ready to rock when it comes to this weekend. Yeah, I, I do believe they'll be ready to rock. I think we're going to see a Limerick that we saw over the last few years. But I, I, I can't say that there's no risk. Um, because again, because of their league form, like until we see the Limerick coming out and, and, and showing us the Limerick that we've seen over the last few years, to be honest, like I believe that we will see that. We will see the Limerick that we've seen over the last years. Going to Cork... I do think that they'll expose Cork again. The big question mark over Cork is brilliant going forward, but tracking back, that's the problem. I think Limerick will they'll, they'll be there to get goals, and, the, and I think they will get goals. Like we said, the big one then is the following week, the second week against Watford. That's a big one because Watford are getting goals now, and maybe that's where Watford struggled to topple Limerick over the last years is getting the goals and getting in behind. And I think Watford can do it, and I think they have the players there as well. Am I calling it now that Watford will beat Limerick? No, it's too hard to call. I tell, like, I'd, I'd nearly rather see this weekend and go see what's going to happen. Um, I think Watford will be tip at home, to be honest. And I don't think, I, I hear what James is saying there, but I just still don't think tip have the panel there yet to go to Watford. Like, Watford have 23 or so players at their selection to start a championship match, never mind lads to come on. So I just think Watford had too much of an assault there for Tip. And again, it goes back to the Liam Cal factor. I think Liam Cal will be only too happy to turn over Tipperary again in Welsh Park. But um, Limerick, yeah, look, I, I think Limerick are going to come and show us what they're able to show us and that they'll perform really well. And again, they'll be up around. They're my favourites for the All-Ireland as it is. But, you know, that Watford match in the, in the second round, it's just such a like there's a bullseye on it there to say a lot can happen there like if Watford win that and Watford are capable of winning it it changes the it changes the narrative for the year big time you know because now Watford are waiting to get that big victory over Limerick and when they do get that that's when the mentality kind of swings that okay Limerick haven't a hold on teams anymore now in the championship and, and Watford are that team closest to beating them so there is a very slight a very slight possibility that Limerick bring the form that they had in the league into the championship but I think they'll beat Cork I just I couldn't call it against Watford and that's a great way to have it I just couldn't call it I think the rest of their matches they win I think they beat Clare in Ennis and they beat Tipperary but a lot hinges on them hosting Watford in the Gaelic grounds and the Gaelic grounds isn't a fortress at the moment we've seen teams go there and get mm. the results and it's probably the one time that Limerick take their eye off the ball also in championship you know Cork beat them in the Gaelic grounds uh, we've seen obviously teams in the league go to the Gaelic grounds and beat them so uh, 
I do, you know the Gaelic grounds isn't a fortress yet for them. Um, so the second round, I you know we're saying the third round for Kilkenny and Galway is going to be a big one. The second round of Munster is going to be absolutely huge with Limerick and Waterford. Yeah, it's it's tasty, Paul. When it comes <coughs> down to that fixture, I, I wonder too. Like look, both of you guys have hurled on, you know, all Ireland winning teams and have got to that level and to the top of the mountain. This Limerick team have been so good over the last four years. I wonder if, say, they can take a bit of the pain from the league now. That defeat against Cork, use that for motivation for this week. And the fact that people are now talking up Waterford as being a genuine contender. They'd be mad keen to come out of the traps quickly. <laughs> sorry, I don't know who that was addressed to. No, sorry, I was addressed to either of you. Um, okay, yeah. but, but, but genuinely, I, I do feel that. I think yeah. Limerick will be more than happy. They will have sat back, listened to all the talk, I'm sure. And like you guys would have known this when you're hurling, like when another yeah. team is being talked up ahead of playing them. Yeah. They will go, right, we're still the big dogs here over the last few years. We've answered the questions. Um, I'll address it directly to you, James, on this one. Like if you take the, <laughs> take the Tipperary game last year, like Tipperary come with a challenge, Tipperary should have probably buried them. And Limerick were able to find the answers when they were asked the big questions in that game. And they yeah. came back and put in 35 minutes of hurling that was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's, why I think it, that's why I have no worry really about Limerick's form. I know I'm, I'm saying to you to try and see if there's a bit of a reaction about what could happen in the first two games. But all the evidence that we have before us is that this Limerick team will probably relish the challenge coming to them. Yeah, but there's no, there's no evidence to say otherwise because every time there's been a challenge put up to them, they, they've answered and answered it emphatically. You, you referenced the Munster final in the second half. That was the best half of Hurland in the whole even regardless of the first half of the Ireland final the way they fought that back and took over the game and just just to be honest they buried Tipperary you know? they, they, they finished some lads there in that game they finished them you know and that was so impressive and I think when when they look back in that game for last year specifically that was like a milestone like that no matter how far we're down whether it be 20 minutes gone or halftime no matter how far we can always come back you know they have that in their locker they have the ability they have the belief they have obviously the conditioning, the strength, and the hurlers. You know, when you mix all that together, you get a great potion for success. So I know we were messing and having to crack with rankings throughout the year, and that's fine. That was on current form, I say. But when you come into championship, they're just a different animal. And I do believe they get over Cork, and then I think they look at the Waterford game, and they'll say, "Right, you think you're the big dogs," and they're going to hit them with everything. And it's great because from a neutral perspective, Waterford look at Limerick and say the exact same thing. You know, so we're we're getting. We're getting the uh, you know unstoppable force meeting the movable object kind of job. Like who's going to who's going to win that one? So and again, we're here now for the last ten minutes, and we can't call it, which is exactly where you want to be. You know, as a neutral, looking forward to support, looking forward to getting a, getting a spectacle for the probably in in earnest the two best teams I think uh, over the course of the last the last couple of years. So I don't know, but Limerick, I think even even if I was in the, if it was in that panel, and I know you've won a couple of Ireland's, you've won let's say what three out of the last four years. You'd be looking for something like either you're chasing greatness or you're chasing the next obstacle. So if mm. Kilkenny were going in the four or five in a row, they're chasing greatness. You know what I mean? Like Limerick could probably do both. They're chasing greatness and they're chasing the next big target. So if they if they put Watford ta- Watford down, that sends a, a huge statement around around the country. If Watford put Limerick down, can you beat Limerick twice? You know, I still expect Limerick to qualify. Even regardless, if Watford take Limerick out in the Gaelic grounds, I still expect Limerick to qualify. Can you beat them twice? And I know Jared McGrath said that whoever beats Watford is going up the steps. That's fine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But whoever beats Limerick twice is going up the steps, you know? Paul, how much of a niggle is it in the back of the mind for Waterford now to try and get over Limerick? Because look, all they've achieved this year, Limerick were over on the other side of the draw. Didn't get into the knockout stage of the league, so they didn't get to play them. They've got painful memories of an All-Ireland semi-final and All-Ireland final against Limerick. How important is it for Waterford to actually beat them? Like, I appreciate Derek McGrath's exact point. That whoever beats Waterford could well be the champions. And maybe Waterford could win in All-Ireland without beating Limerick because they could get to the final, you know, even losing that second round game. 
But how important it is it for Waterford if they are going to go and finally end this way to win Aline McCarthy to get a win over Limerick here? Yeah, I don't know how important it is, but if they do beat them in the early stages, well, I think that answers a massive question. Like, there is... Is, is it fair to say that there's a question, can Watford... Yeah, there is, because they haven't beaten them yet like in, in the championship with this group of players. So the big thing is that if Watford beat them in that second match, well, at the moment, a lot of people are thinking, and I'm sure the Watford lads are thinking, yeah, they're capable of winning the All-Ireland, but it's kind of a will they, won't they, until they prove it against Limerick. That's the big thing. If they go and beat Limerick in that match, and suddenly now, it, and it's another thing Watford will have to deal with, is there'll be serious hype around Watford that they are then the favourites. Because I think if Watford beat Limerick there, Watford then become the favourites for the All-Ireland. Because at the moment, I think everybody, you talk to anyone on the street, it's Limerick, for me anyway, is the favourites. Other people might have different opinions. But I think if Watford beat them there, now Watford have to deal with the thing of there's an expectation on them to go out now and win the All-Ireland. But like James was saying, it's not enough to do it once. You're going to have to do it twice. Um, it's not the end of Watford's year if they don't beat Limerick there, you know, because they have to go to the Gaelic Grounds and, and Limerick will come strong at them and probably Limerick will be expected to win that. It's not the end of Watford's year and Watford, I expect, will have another crack at Limerick depending on what way the fixtures go. Watford, you know, it won't just kill them in their tracks. Watford will go on and win the, the rest of their matches, I believe, and they'll have a chance to meet Limerick again. So as James was saying, look, you can take a lot from that second match if Watford go and meet them, brilliant, but they're, they're going to have to do it again most likely at some stage during the year. So... It would be a big thing for them to do it. It would answer a lot of questions. The flip side to that then is, if they do beat them, yeah, they've answered the question, but now they're going to have to deal with the pressure. And that's another that's another thing altogether, where they'll have to deal with the pressure of their own supporters constantly saying to them that you're going to go win the All-Ireland. And now we're probably back to that expectation in Watford that was heaped on players, that year the generation are going to win the All-Ireland for us. At the moment, they're kind of in this, you know, they're probably riding the crest of a wave at the moment, and it's, it's brilliant and whatever, but... I don't think they don't look like a team hurling with pressure but if they go and beat Limerick that, there's an element that might creep into their game positive in one way negative in another so um, they're going to have to answer it at some stage if they want to be All-Ireland champions and that's the bottom line Yeah that weight of expectation is never easy and look Limerick had to get through that where they were hearing about generations with their fathers and relations who would have been you know great hurlers in the 1970s and they had had so much disappointment in finals they put that behind them once they won one that opened the gateway to win more and I think with Waterford that could be the case as well it's kind of funny I remember actually talking to the aforementioned Derek McGrath about this previously I was wondering what was the emotional toll like? Because you saw him and Dan Shanahan, you know, after they lost to Galway and it was like so close they could almost touch it. It felt like they were going to an All-Ireland final in great form. And he was saying almost the most difficult time emotionally was after they beat Cork because the feeling was that they thought they were there and they felt that they were you know, in a position to get there. The All-Ireland final week just kind of ran itself off. But he was saying it was very difficult just to kind of deal with that expectation when... You know, everyone's reminding you. You haven't won one mm. since the 50s. You're trying to get over the line and are you going to be the generation who's going to do so? And that weight of expectation will still be there even though these guys have hurled in finals. Maybe it's different now that there's a group of players who've all got league medals. There's the Ballygunner players who've gone to Crow Park and who've beaten the best club team of all time in Ballyhale Shamrocks. Maybe that changes the mentality. I don't know. But that's that to me, James, is the only question I have about Waterford this year. I think everything they've done on the pitch has been remarkable. And we talked about after the league final last week, firepower across their forward line, good balance, different options across the pitch, a very deep panel uh, by the end of the league. And even with that panel, they've got an attacking focus that's about creating chances, particularly creating goal chances. If I was a Waterford fan, I'd be really happy, James, of where I was going into championship. I, I, I would too. I would too, but I'd say... I'm going to take a different approach now. We've all highlighted the positives of Waterford and mm. you know how good they are and the pen strength and the management group and the energy, etc. 
Let's go, let's look the opposite side now. You just mentioned about Ballygunner and you mentioned about league. So look, take where I'm from. Like we've won leagues and we've had Portumna, we've had Clarenbridge, we've had St Thomas's win in Ireland. But we've also had the 88 team in Galway, and that was always <clears throat> being mentioned. Haven't haven't won a goal in Ireland in 20 odd years. Then mm-hmm. it was 25. Then the, the years started growing, and these players in were, I suppose, they were in the news headlines, and they were talking about it. How after certain defeats, and it became it did become difficult. I'm not going to lie, but it's only when you kind of get to a kind of a more senior position in the panel, say when you're into your late kind of mid to late 20s, that you kind of learn, and that's the, that's the operative word, learn to put all that SH1T aside and get on with it. So. What, Paul mentioned the pressure really good point young lads in Waterford let's say when their parents start talking about it their club mates their school mates college mates all that can potentially seep into you a small bit and you can get maybe a touch complacent even though you, might, you mightn't realise it you know you still think you're going to train and putting your best effort in but there could be little degrees of complacency breathing into your subconscious and that's the only thing I'd worry for Waterford is that they nearly believe a bit of the hype and look I'm saying this now just purely to, to pick something out you know what I mean mm. because they're, they're in such good form However, it can always creep in, you know, and if they have a run of a couple of results, and let's say they take down Limerick on, on the second round, next thing you know, they've, beat, they've beaten the Ireland champions, one of the best teams ever, and there's just snowball effects, it gets bigger and bigger, and will they believe it all? You know, that's a question I have over them, because I understand exactly where, where they can be when you have his, history being thrown at them, when you have, you know, I suppose, what you look at, again, nationally, people look at Ballygunner, success, look at the leagues, and they go, oh yeah, they, they've done that now, now they can go on to the Ireland. And I myself would say they're going to make a great run, but it's not without those challenges. And I have to make that very, very clear. It's going to be very difficult, and it'll be the hardest championship they'll ever win. The first one is the hardest one ever to win. Do you know what I mean? To get over the line. And when you push history with it, it's different. A lad told me before, Will, sorry, I'll digress for a second. If you're from Kikini, Tip, or Cork, and you are on a panel for 10 years, you will probably get an Ireland medal. Probably. Other than Cork and like that's been brought up as a huge issue now in Cork that they've gone for the first time ever yeah. in the history of the GA for more than a decade but your point yeah, is yeah. a very solid one so, so like if, if you if you manage to maintain you know uh, on that panel for for 10 years you, you, you're you in with probably a, an 80% chance to get an Ireland final you know, or, or Ireland at least it's different when you're Watford you know go with and that shows the history books and you've only got 5, 6, 7 Irelands you know so it's difficult and again Watford was, was it the 50s was the last time they won it it was a 57 I think off the top of my head Jeez, long time ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But the, like long time ago, and that that adds pressure on itself. So look, the, you'll have your physical your, your physical uh, challenges with injuries and you know heading to, to, to long games, whatnot, and referees, etc. But the biggest one is the top six inches. Like, can you maintain a degree of control when everything else around you, when everyone everyone else around you is losing control? You know, and that's where the supporters in Watford, you would hope, wouldn't get there when they get a bit of run up a steam and take take down a couple of big scallops that, that they don't just assume that Ireland's coming back to them. You know. Mm. Well, look, James, you kicked it off by saying the teams you thought they were going to get out of Munster, and I was kind of scribbling them down here at the same time. Um, Murphy, who's coming out of Munster for you? Yeah, I'll go. I, I'd agree. Limerick, Waterford, Cork. Um, in that order, I don't know. It's, I haven't decided between Limerick and Waterford yet. But uh, no, I think Limerick, Waterford, Cork are coming out of it. And again, it's, it, it is more. It, it's, uh, it's obviously more competitive. I know, let's say, Clare at the moment have the lads come back, Shane O'Donnell potentially coming back, and, you know, obviously Tony Kelly, we've seen him coming back towards the end of the league, but I just don't think Clare are in the position yet to actually go because it's so competitive. And, like, we're, we're picking apart their really small things in, in the favourites because we're struggling to pick apart where this is going to be won and lost. And for me, just Limerick, Watford, Cork just have so many more things in the positive side going for them at the moment okay we, we, we've pulled apart Cork during the week and different things but 
I just think Cork, yeah, they are in a good place and they are going well. They still have things to work on that they have to work on the championship. And I think more so towards actually winning Munsters and, and, and really winning All-Irelands. That's where the questions are. But generally, they're going really well. So for me, Limerick, Watford and Cork are, are coming out of Munster. But just looking at the fixtures and looking at the breakdown. and Like, I mean, Clare, Clare unfortunately, in the first weekend they have to watch all the other teams go and play before they enter the championship and that's a that's a funny dynamic in itself whereas Limerick I know there's breaks but like let's say technically the week off that Limerick have is is the last week is the fifth round of of the Munster championship so Limerick just have to go hammer and tongs at it I know they do have breaks but they do just go straight at it they have their four matches the weeks that they, 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 they're scheduled in so um that that's something that has to be factored in again but I just think look like we said Limerick are going to come strong Watford are in great form they, they, I think they're going to win they'll be tip at home again the jury is out with Limerick and Watford down in Gaelic grounds I think they'll be Cork at home as well and then they have to go to Ennis then as well so look it's um it's for me at the moment I just think Limerick, Watford and Cork they're just giving too many indicators to show that tip are going to mount a savage challenge or that Clare are going to Look, no offence, pull a rabbit out of a hat and come out a monster. Yeah, it would be a remarkable story. If Clare hit a run of form and qualify with the way the top three teams have looked so far this year, it would be some going if they were to get through. I don't think Cork will mind too much going to Semple Stadium the, where they had to give away their home advantage, but still it's a game fewer in Porky Cueve. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a way of putting that league final defeat behind them a little bit uh, by going back to Semple Stadium and hurling well. Um, are you putting Cork as your third team to go through then, James? Yes, I am. I'm having... Yeah. <clears throat> I, Again, I, I can't. It's, it's a toss of a coin, Will, um, for one and two between Limerick and Watford, as we just said, and I'm putting Cork as three. Um, again, look, I, I, I know when I spoke about Dublin a few minutes ago, I said that uh, you know one one bad game can't exactly dictate how your summer is going to pan out. And look, Cork played bad. Don't get me wrong in the, in the league final, but it's one game. And again, the more than what we said about Galway with experience management and, and knowledgeable people, they have that, and they have the players. It's just a matter of getting it right. But I do, I am concerned about the first day when. As I'm going to repeat myself, hmm. what Limerick could potentially do to them down down there, you know. So, like again, and what kind of scarring will that do if Limerick do do what I think they'll do, <laughs> and and they'll beat Cork by you know a, a comfortable margin? To be honest, what will that do to Cork? You know, have they got the mental capacity, mental strength to come back and and put a run together to get into the the Munster final? I don't know. That's that's a genuine question. You know, that's a genuine question because these guys. If you're questioning anything, you're questioning their, their top six inches. I will never question their ability. I'll never question their, their history. I give full respect to them as a group of players, but I do question their defensive capabilities. And when when the heat is really on, when it's really on, can they stand up to it? Paul, for Tipperary, because so much to come down to how they hurled this weekend against Waterford to give a picture of maybe the work they've done uh, since the league. Is the reason that we're not putting Tipperary into the top three because the two Maras are gone who are two keystone members of their defence and then you also have to take away Seamus Callan for at least the first two rounds. It appears that you might be back kind of into early May but to be missing a curler of the year from 2019 two incredible hurlers from the last more than a decade since those guys came off that under-21 team it, that's a lot to try and fill in a team in a very short period of time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot to fit in. Um, and, and what we saw from Tip during the league was just that they were struggling to find that really good spread of scores in, in the half-forward line and full-forward line. You know, they were moving around Jason Ford to try and figure out, really, where do we put him to maximise the score? And they have him out around centre-forward and trying him in at full-forward as well. Jake Morris, in fairness to him, Jake Morris was putting in good performances in the league and he was probably winning a lot of dirty ball in there. But 
really Tip weren't showing that they were producing good ball into the forward line to create that platform for, for Tipperary to, to mount really big scores because to win championship matches now, unfortunately, you're going to have to get a really big score up on the board because um, we see the scores that Limericks and Waterfords and Corks are getting at the moment and it, it's big and, and, and Tip don't seem to have the firepower at the moment. Again, like you said, Paddy Marr stepping aside, you know, Brendan Marr gone as well and like these big players who traditionally over the years in, in Munster and in the All-Irelands would have put in enormous games and there's your platform for, and Seamus Callanan likewise as well and Noel McGrath and these lads. I just think at the moment that this year, look, they haven't shown us enough to say that they're in a, a relatively strong position to go and actually take on the three teams because the other three teams we've talked about there, Cork, Limerick and Waterford, do have those things that we're talking about, do have the potential to rack up really high scores, um, are showing really good form as well. And I just don't see Tip, we saw him against Waterford down in Welsh Park as well, and just didn't have the legs to deal with what Waterford were throwing at them, just did not have it, and Waterford ran away from him in the end. And that's something that, you know, it's hard for Tip to, while they're trying to find these new players, you need a big panel, and those things don't go hand in hand when you're trying to find new players but you need a big panel to go and face a round robin where teams are coming at you thick and fast so for me tip this year just don't get out of Munster just purely for that reason of the changeover of personnel and that they're still trying to I suppose blood new players and, and find those scores or replace those scores in the forward line Okay, so we're agreed then on our Munster top three. We're just not quite agreed on who's going to come through. I know James is going to say, well, put your neck on the line and say you pick. I, th- I think those three, yeah. I-, I think Limerick, Waterford will probably get to the final. Cork will qualify. I don't think Cork will beat Limerick this weekend, but I don't know if it's going to be quite the hammering that we're ex- half kind of anticipating here, but we'll see. And then it's going to be difficult. Like maybe maybe Tipperary can have a run and uh, get in ahead of Cork but it's going to be uh, very tricky for them I think Joe McDonough I don't know how you guys feel about it I think Antrim's form so far this year would indicate they're probably the strongest of the second flight they've got a good fixture list as well they play awfully who would have been one of the other contenders first round this weekend at Corrigan Park I think if Antrim win that and all indications going from the recent relegation final between them is Antrim will win I think Neil McManus is coming back to fitness who's a big boost for them too Antrim are very well set for a run to that final and just I think as well James Division 1 hurling having that campaign behind them where they actually competed very well in the fixtures with the exception of losing the leash game which would have been a disappointment and Tipperary where they rested some players but generally they played very well in Division 1 should set Antrim up pretty well for a run at this competition Yeah look I know they, they, they ended up in a, in a relegation final but if they were to look back and it, it was it was relatively successful I know what you mean like I know that sounds a bit you know a cliche when they didn't really register much wins but like they're playing an awfully team now who, who they, they easily dismantled with respect without the mm-hmm. presence of Lee McManus so like if you're Darren Gleeson going into that game you're thinking you know we have the tools like we have the game plan like what are awfully going to come back with at you, um that is different from you know from a week's previous it's hard to say it's hard to say like I, I, I look at that game and say I'd, I would expect Antrim to take awfully by 7-8 points again you know when you introduce a player of Lee McManus's calibre who was missing like, and in the still got over relatively easy it's very hard to put kind of Anton favour for Offaly at the moment hmm. well we'll see Look, maybe, maybe Kerry and yeah. Carlos form could improve Division 2A was a weird old league this year with the way that the results worked out and look, maybe Down can dust themselves off after losing the Division 2A final and go on a good run because yeah. there's plenty of good hurlers on that team and uh, Paul Sheen's definitely one of the players to watch out for we know all about Connor Woods with Down but uh, keep an eye out for Sheen at centre half forward uh, throughout this Joe McDonough Cup campaign too 
Paul, I want to ask you, because this isn't exactly, uh, you know, put the boot into Offaly hour, but hey, that's kind of where we're at. Um, I <laughs> sent you guys on the charter, which was signed by the Offaly under-14s. And this has got, like, massive amount of attention over the last three, four days, particularly. I think people are probably familiar with the story, but I'll try and summarise it um, before we talk about it. Is that four players, including the... Edenderry Town captain who played again this weekend and he saved three penalties and scored one in a shootout when they won an SFAI Cup a regional game in Keane McNamee his dad John has probably been the parent who's spoken the most over the last week or so about the situation but four players who were involved with Edenderry Town playing SFAI Cup quarterfinal against Shamrock Rovers big game these guys have been involved with Edenderry Town for the last seven years and obviously been involved all season in the case of Keane McNamee captain of the team uh, the four of them went off to play last Saturday in the SFAI Cup as opposed to going to a session with the Offaly Under-14 football development squad. A reason has to be given because of the charter that they've signed. It's not, because some of this argument came, you're playing foreign sports, and you're playing foreign sports, the ban has come back in and whatever else. That's some of the kind of language that came around it. But what Offaly GA have said is that they signed up to this charter and section number two is that you have to be available to attend. I believe this is the same with their hurling panels based on speaking to some of the parents as well that you have to be able to attend every session. If you can't, you have to give a reason to your coach. And this is being strongly implemented. And full commitment, which was used in the correspondence back and forth with the parents. Mm-hmm. The children last weekend, and bear in mind, these are children, 13, 14 years of age, put down personal reasons as their reasoning for not attending the sessions last Saturday. It's because they were going off to play a CFI Cup. For anyone who's ever been stuck in a dual situation or, you know, getting dragged by teams, usually it wouldn't be this time of year. Now the development panels have gone back a bit earlier. But it would be kind of, you know, August, September, when the local soccer team have got some fixtures early in the season and the GA teams are getting ready at the same time. Lads feel a drag to go to play for one team or it could be rugby or whatever else. I have no doubt that the four lads in question felt that they couldn't write down SFAI Cup quarterfinal as their reason for missing the session. And that's the reason they stuck down personal reasons. An email was sent to their club on Monday. They were removed from the development panel. They're not part of it now. It seems very unlikely from speaking to some of the parents of the children affected that they'll go back in. They haven't necessarily closed the door on going back into Gaelic games again. But that's kind of where we're at. And it sparked a massive debate over the last while. Awfully GA for their part, um, from what I've seen, because again, this gets messy when parents start leaking information to the media and private correspondence end up getting sent out. But basically, the long and the short of it is that Offaly GA are going to back their coaching officer and their football director, who is Declan Kelly, who was the All-Ireland Under-20 winning manager of last year. And obviously, he has a very high stock within the county on the back of that. And they're going to say that they've reformed the development panels. The clubs all agreed to this. The parents and the children were aware of this before they signed up. And therefore, they're taking a very serious um, approach to this. The guys broke the rules and therefore the four of them been removed. That's kind of where we're at as we talk at the start of this week. I don't know whether there's going to be more U-turns when the Offaly chairman, Michael Dyden, comes back. But all indications are the four lads aren't going to play for the rest of this year. And despite the fact that the GA have even been encouraging multi-sport participation and the importance of not specialising into your late teens, this is where we're at. Could you imagine guys at 13 or 14 years of age signing because I showed you guys the charter that they signed mm-hmm. could you imagine signing that uh, Paul at 13 or 14 yeah look to be honest if I'm if be very frank and like we said we're not here to, to, to jump on Offaly's case I wouldn't sign it if I was 20 years of age or 30 years of age to be honest um, I just find that it's it's you know I, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by it in one way I appreciate having a charter and having guidelines in which best practice and different things but signing a charter in which if you break one rule off it that means you're effectively finished if that's what we're saying let's take out of it like you said that 
it wasn't the case that they were going playing a foreign sport, as people might say. And I know that argument is out there. But they, they missed a training session, which is part of the charter that if you miss a training session, you don't give a reason. You've potentially, you've broken the rules, so now mm. you're gone. But like, I, I looked at rule nine on the charter, which is no jewellery to be worn at any time when you're representing the county. I mean, that for me makes no sense. And if a player arrives wearing a necklace onto the pitch, are you, are you going to be as strict then and get rid of them for that reason? For, I think it's very disappointing for the four players in question. I played soccer when I was 13, 14 years of age to a relatively good standard, um, had decisions to be made, and it's tough at that age. You don't have a clue, and you're a child, as you said, Will, you're a child at that age. You don't know what you want to do yet in life. You don't know if you want to be a GA player. You don't know if you want to be a soccer player or a rugby player. The only thing I do know is that playing any kind of sport, if you play rugby and you play a GAA, both of them benefit each other. They go hand in hand. If you play soccer and you play Gaelic football, they benefit each other. The best One of the best forwards in the country, Daisy Hutchinson, spent time at Brighton Hove Albion for, for how many years? And he's one of the best forwards in the country. I believe one of the reasons he's playing for Waterford at the moment is because... Now, not speaking for the fella, but that he was potentially never tied down at any stage to say, you cannot play you know, soccer, you cannot play whatever. And again, I know that's awfully you're saying that that's not what they're doing, but certainly it's a big statement for anyone who does want to play different sports. Um, I'd be very disappointed for the four players in question, and the reason I say it is because if they're playing at that level at soccer for whatever club it is, they're obviously very dedicated young players. They're obviously players who, you know, are dedicated to their skills, to their fitness, to performing at a really high level, be that in football or be that in soccer. And, you know, this isn't rewarding for them to say that, you know, something you dedicate yourself to and you're trying to split your time between both codes, they're now effectively being punished. And I think they're punishing awfully football as well. If these are four talented players, keep them in the system, you know. And I think as well, awfully are probably doing themselves a disservice by having such a strict charter that they have to tie themselves to because now they've put themselves in a situation that if somebody does break the charter, the precedence is now set, it, is it, that's it, you don't play anymore if you break any rule on that charter. So look at it again, it's, it's not an awfully bashing session here, mm -hmm. but it is very disappointing to see it and I'd be very disappointed for the four players in particular. Yeah, look, I think if your grip is too tight on these things, people will fall through because I've no doubt that there are teammates and you know friends of those lads who are on development panels currently and will have looked at this situation and I've received messages from parents and from other sporting bodies within Offaly over the last week and the point that a few of them are making I think are very fair ones um, Tullamore Rugby Club a couple of weeks ago looked to move one of their fixtures because now these development panels are on a Saturday for the Gaelic football and because everyone is pulling from a very small pool, and bear in mind in a rural county like Offaly, and this could well happen in another county, this is Offaly right now, it could well be another county a few months down the road, is that if you've got talented players, James, in all likelihood they're going to play multi-sports. Like, yeah. the guy who's particularly good at Gaelic football is likely to be a good rugby player. We all knew them from school. You know, someone else is going to be very good at hurling, and therefore they're going to try and play everything, and they're going to try and keep all their mates happy by playing along. And therefore, if you decide to enforce them within the GEA to pick a sport at 13 or 14 years of age, there's a very good chance that the talented athlete at that point says, fine, I'll go play rugby or fine, I'll go play soccer. And they might actually be lost from the system entirely. Yeah, which is, which is a pure shame, isn't it? Like if you're, if you're anything from 10 right up to 17, in my opinion, you should be just nurtured. Just, just play the game you want to play, play as much as you can, play where you want to play, whether it be rugby, soccer 
flipping volleyball, who gives who gives a hoot? Just stay within a sport, keep within a structure, and try to play as much as you can and have fun at it. Because that's the whole purpose of being an underage player. It's just to try and, and I suppose build your skills, keep keep within the sport until such time as you have to. You, and I say have to lightly make a decision of which one you want to pursue pursue because you believe it's your best talent. We have an abundance of it here in Galway, whereby we have very strong rugby clubs and um, they get to a certain age 17, 18 and then they get an opportunity to join Connacht Academies go into AIL squads and then they make a decision that's absolutely fine because they were given every opportunity to succeed at both codes or three codes whatever it is you know like I myself played a lot of rugby at a high level going up underage and I was given every single opportunity by every club I played for I was never forced to sign this what I would call a contract you know when, when were you told to stop playing rugby then? At or senior. were you told so, to stop? I was, I was I was asked to stop and I, and I couldn't really say much because I was playing in a position in rugby where I had to get strong and put on weight whereby when, hur- when you're playing hurling you have to be I suppose in the goalkeeper more agile and lose the weight so I was asked by Anthony Cunningham in when he, his first year you know that in fairness to him he was right he said look that we're investing a lot of time in you as a goalkeeper in our squad and you know you can't keep doing both and he was right I couldn't um, because it was just rugby was too physical as was intercommunity training to keep them both together and that's fine I was I had no issue with that whatsoever I chose hurling and, and on we go some guys chose rugby and on they go no problem but when you're 13 or 14 I, I strongly strongly oppose it and I, I, I I'm concerned because I, I I'm concerned for the people who wrote this who sat around worded this came together and said, yeah, this is the right document to issue out to the, to the young lads. You know, as a development squad on 13 and 14, I would be concerned because common sense now is common to think. Like, when you're looking at that, and I, I, I'm, I fully respect awfully what they're trying to do. Every country's trying to do it. Raise standards, get more buy-in from players, try to get back to a, a position where awfully were in football terms in the, in the early 80s and whatnot. That's fine, you know, but did the under-20 team sign this charter last year? You know, I, I I probably doubt it. <laughs> to be honest, I probably doubt they did. You know, I probably this, this is probably a knock-on effect of of success and trying to get it from a young age, which I respect, but I just think it's done the wrong way. Well, yeah, I, I strongly oppose it. You know, yeah, no, I look, I think that's a, I think it's a very good point. It's actually probably harder when lads reach twenty and get to senior. Like as Paul's point at the very start, you put that out in front of a senior player, in all likelihood they're going to go hold on here a second like what am I actually signing up for here because ultimately you're playing an amateur sport and sometimes that gets a little bit lost in all this too I'm surprised that the clubs in Offaly obviously were very aware of this because they were sending the players for trials the players are signing these uh, code of conducts or charters their parents are agreeing to them too I'm amazed that it took this long for it to actually become an issue that it took someone being dropped for it to be questioned and ultimately, because all indications are that Offaly GA are going to stand over their decision and back the people who are involved here, is that it's probably going to be the clubs who make the decision to try and change it, if they are going to change it. But I thought it was interesting, a few hurling parents got in contact with me. It's not just a, a football thing with the Offaly development panels. And they were pointing out, one of them, that their child is probably going to walk off the hurling panel currently uh, because he's playing soccer with one of the local clubs they're doing reasonably well. They're going for a Midland Schoolboys League title currently. He's kind of a little bit more drawn towards the soccer, but he's mad keen to hurl for the county into the summer. And he's been asked to give this commitment in April. Which is, yeah. like, how do you walk away from your mates when you're in the middle of trying to go for a title? Don't. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, how do, how do you walk away from it? And look, the, 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 the big thing for me is just that you can, who knows what they want to be when they're 14 years of age 15 years of age you don't you don't have a clue you just want to enjoy what you're doing and I think if the GA in general and this goes to the GA as a whole 
if we really want to keep players involved in, in the game and we, 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 we take a certain level of pride in our amateur status, we have to compete with these other communities such as the rugby community and the soccer community where players can actually make a life for themselves and earn quite a lot of money if they do well. Something I think we have to you know keep close to our games is that our players are happy and enjoy what they're doing, whereas this kind of brings an element of pressure into them and ties them down to a certain extent. So there's, there's lots of elements there that go with this that is kind of it's a tough one to swallow as to I understand the principle it's 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 a good idea on paper a charter that you know you're getting players to acknowledge that you know and there's good points in it that you'll be respectful to coaches and things yeah excellent stuff but there's there's a few points then that you kind of go well maybe it's actually having a negative effect and overall would have a negative effect on young players which is what we're talking about now at the moment Okay, lads, multi-sport has not harmed some of the best players that we have in various different sports currently. Like Shane Long was able to hurl right up into his minor years with Tipperary, would often play with Cork, got himself a career across channel. You've already mentioned Desi Hutchinson and there's a feature interview coming up on OTP Sports with him over the next while as an AIB hero from winning the club championship. And he's going to talk about his love for Gaelic football, his love for association football, his love for hurling and how it's all kind of come together. And then you look at Jack Carthy, if you want to look at rugby right now with uh, James Scales' example, you know, played with the Roscommon Miners at Pro Park and then went on and focused towards his first love, which was playing rugby. Himself and his brother are now professional international rugby players and they were playing multiple sports. His brother, Luke, was also playing Gaelic football, I think, up until minor level with Roscommon. And yet these lads, it didn't seem to affect them whatsoever when it went to later in their career. So... Uh, multi, multi-sport disciplines it's across the way I, mean, I remember talking to Pat Daly from the GA uh, last summer because we are in a piece in OTB around this about the future of Irish sport he said the GA were looking at best practice from elsewhere they were reading a lot of research from New Zealand in particular where the worry was in New Zealand was that everyone gets funneled into rugby and people are trying to get into professional rugby and they were maybe forgetting some of the other sports and they were trying to point out that you know, some of these lads playing soccer and playing other sports was actually good for their rugby career so all GA guidance is to go in another direction so intriguing to see how this story plays out lads it's been uh, great chatting to you on the eve of championship um paul's going to be on the road i think uh, next week so we're going to have a bit of fun and see where he is uh, when we check in uh, after particularly the monster games uh, next sunday we might even have the pot out a little bit earlier next week um as a result but looking forward to uh, this first round of championship and chatting to you next week lads thanks lads. Cheers, Will. thanks Will.